Time right. travel. This episode is titled Are We There Yet? <laughs> because this is part five of our series on time travel. And this is the first time that we are actually talking about time travel. Well, really, you could say the, the title should be, of course, we were always there and never there. Right. It were precisely, precisely. Mm-hmm. We were always there, but never there. Which is pretty much us. hundred <laughs> percent. So last Sweet. episode, we got to the point where Einstein had had his miraculous year. Mm-hmm. He linked this concept of space and time into one concept space time. He really laid the groundwork for quantum mechanics and the ultimate reduction of statistical mechanics to thermodynamics. So really, it's just a hell of a year. He <laughs> tied everything so with important. a bow, man, with the big old Mobus twist of a bow. Yeah, it's super important. But that year also created all kinds of interesting problems for our physics, including a bunch of weird stuff with how time must now behave in systems where objects started to approach the speed of light, or when things were super massive or heavy, or when just just a bunch of different scenarios where things started getting really weird. And that's really the heart of time travel theory. It, it comes from this, this difficulty and uncomfortableness with the results of Einstein's equations and his thoughts. So get ready, because we are finally traveling back to the past. First off, I guess what would be maybe kind of interesting is if we think about the kind of the story. So time travel itself as a concept mm-hmm. was part of our mythology and lore before Einstein came around. So it's not. Oh, yeah. This isn't a case where this is not a case where like science created science fiction. Right. And actually, those those cases are pretty rare. I feel like <laughs> it's usually fiction that creates science or, or starts making science as sort of uh, something that happens. Right. It's something that yes. we start start striving. It's the for. imagination. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you can start to imagine it, it starts to happen. Right. And so we have a lot of we have a lot of stories about, you know, like time paradoxes and, you know, even ghost stories in some ways are sort of sort so of time travel time-ish time travelish yes but yes. so but so the earliest time travel story re- story really that um really the the first like time travel story that most people think about is well not really think about but the first one that's really considered like a novel or something based off of the time travel concept um actually comes from uh the 1700s so it's hmm. Memoirs of the 20th Century, which was a book by uh, Samuel Madden, who wrote about this. Uh, it's a guardian angel goes back to uh, the year ni- 1728, but has uh, letters that were written about like the 1990s from like 1995, 97 to like 1998, 1999. And what's interesting about it is it it sort of talks about. Like basically, that story talks about a time period where Jesuits and Catholics run the world. And so kind of like ruin everything. 
Hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting hmm. one. So the problem satire, a little political satire. Yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a a little bit of a political satire. Uh, but actually, I think the one that most people think of is like the earliest one or the one that most of us at least would think of as the earliest one would be Rip Van Winkle by Washington Irving. Yeah. Right. Which actually is a story that is modeled. It's not, I don't know if it's modeled after an earlier story, but it's sort of similar to another earlier story by Louis Sebastian Mercier, um, who wrote a book called The Year 2440 um, or Memoirs of the Year 2500. And. Basically, it's about a, a man who falls asleep and then finds himself, uh, you know, shot into the future, essentially. So, you know, both of these stories kind of taking the Futurama model of time travel. Yes. That basically, yeah, he falls asleep and he wakes up 20 years later. Yeah. Right? Into the future. But those those sorts Which of isn't that much of a jump. If you think about that, no. I mean, it is, but it's not like. It's not a real time travel jump. No, it's not really. It's not really a time travel one. Um, But later, it's just enough to suck, but not enough to really be interesting. (laughs) 20 years in the future, right? Um, Later ones would come out where, you know, like a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, right, where he talks about, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Scrooge going back in time and seeing himself back there. But again, this was Mm -hmm. more of like a ghostly vision, right? It's not he's not able to, like, mess with the, the past. Right. Well, it's it, their morality, right? It's more of a morality play. It's like, you know, your behavior and how it affects others. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the the ones that really start having these kind of concepts about like, you know, the time machine can bring you back and can change things or you can go into the future and see humanity in these kinds of horrible you know, the horrible situations they put themselves in, those are always kind of the general things, right? Those are the general tropes of these mm-hmm. sorts of stories. So you're either going back and you're messing up the past and it changes the future and you're ruined, or mm-hmm. you go to the future and find out that things are terrible and so you it's have to go apes. back and fix things. It's all apes. Right? <laughs> this damn dirty apes. Damn dirty yes. apes. Oh, um, my God. I think we really just talk though, about how Dr. Zayas is one of my favorite science fiction characters ever. So good. So Dr. good. Zayas, I Dr. love him, Zayas, man. Dr. Zayas. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> the, um, I think the one that most people think of is sort of, at least the one that comes to my mind when I think about time travel and like you can change things and what problems it creates and et cetera, et cetera, is The End of Eternity by Isaac Asimov. Oh, this, okay. This book that talks about... um. There's like loops in time right? or circles in time. Uh-huh. And so um, as you kind of change which loop you go into, um, you can kind of change the way things happen and, and make, you know, does the does the world end or not? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really interesting kind of concept. And again, it's sort of. This is a very close. This one is closer it's closer to kind of what we think of as modern day science fiction about time travel. So no HG Wells, no H no HG Wells, of course too, but for like the thing, so the so time, personally it's Asimov. That's the time machine itself. So that's the thing, the time machine by HG Wells, mm-hmm. it just talks about a, a future where he, they move into the future, but they don't really change things. You know, they go into That's the future, they see the Morlocks and the, what are they, the LOI or whatever? Yeah. You know, they uh-huh. see those two, like, forms of humanity, but nothing ever really changes, right? There's no there's no challenge about, like, the causal nature of time or, you know, 
There's no. Um, That's true. There's yeah, none of that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff that happens. I'll give you that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I like that one because it's the first one that actually has a marked difference, I think. Absolutely. Like no, it, it built absolutely a machine. is. The machine is meant to do this, and it takes him so far, and there's the future of it. He doesn't recognize humanity. Like, I thought that was kind of a good. I like that one. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So what do these books get right, and what do they get wrong? So first off, the ones that are just like, you, you fall asleep, and you, like, wake up in the future. Like, okay, yeah, fine. I guess that's fine. It's a nap. Yeah, that's a that's nap just, for me, man. That's just a terrible oh. nap, right? That's we're all going through that right now with COVID. Um, you know, in a thousand years, there will be people on you know meta podcasts talking about how the year two twenty twenty one didn't really happen, um, or the year twenty twenty didn't really happen because there's no records from that time. You know, <laughs> everyone seemed to just stop for no reason. We can't tell why. They're they're okay. All of the the time travel methods. So. Einstein's work and kind of physics as we understand it today sort of seems to suggest two or like three main routes mm-hmm. for time travel to be possible. And again, it suggests some physicists like Stephen Hawking thought or at least suggested, I guess I should say, that the laws of the universe were like preconditioned on the forward flow of time. And a lot of physicists kind of have that same view that essentially um, it's not just physicists. Excuse me. It's not just physicists who have that sort of view. It's, it's almost a, a, it's almost due to, it's almost due to thermodynamics. It's just like another law that we've kind of noticed. And actually Marie, it has something to do with something you explained to me very well on the phone the other day. And I was super entropy. (laughs) It has to do with entropy. Yeah, absolutely. So, Okay, so entropy basically means, like, the concept of entropy, we often think about it in layman's terms as being, like, you know, things change or things become random or whatever. But it's it's more, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. In thermodynamics, what entropy means is some systems cannot be put back together exactly as they were. So what do I mean by that? If you have a car and you measure how much energy it gains by rolling down a hill, you could not input the same amount of energy into the car through gasoline to get it to go up that hill again. You couldn't because the Mm -hmm. car is inefficient. The car has metal pieces that, that rotate and kind of squeak and, and grind on each other. There's friction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's friction with the ground. There's all kinds of imperfections in the system of the universe. That means that that initial system can never really be gotten back to. And so what we mean, what, what scientists call that is it's an irreversible system. And all systems are in reality irreversible thermodynamically. Mm-hmm. And so physicists, some people would say that means that some things simply can't be put back together. They can't be put back to the start of where they were without adding in extra energy from somewhere. The problem is that the universe in totality is a closed system. So there's no there's no there's no energy you can get from someplace else to put back to go back in time in that way. Right. Like the energy you get has to come from somewhere. Yes. 
Yes. And the example I liked, I stole from uh, a book that just came out called Maxwell's Demon. Um, I'm trying to remember who wrote it. Uh, Stephen Hall, who also wrote uh, the raw, raw shark texts, which are really good as well. And his his analogy of entropy was a uh, if you have a hot cup of coffee, it will cool down. It will never then become hot again on its own without some mm -hmm. other energy like a microwave or being reheated. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Which I thought was like, oh, that's very interesting. Oh, like it's not it's not going to constantly stay hot. It's going to cool down and there's nothing that's going to bring it back up to the to the scalding hot cup of coffee that you're going to burn your mouth on. Yeah. And actually what's happening in that situation is you can think of your so your coffee is really hot, right? Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. surrounding room is is cool. It's temperate. What's actually happening is the energy in the coffee is mixing and dispersing in the room. So as, so as much yeah. temperature as you're as as much temperature in total as the molecules of coffee are losing, the molecules of the room are gaining that much energy. Yes, but they'll never give it back to them. No, it can't. Well, they can't. Right. Because it's just exactly. dispersed. It's like, yeah, it's exactly. It's entropy. You can't get it's it back. Entropy. It's entropy. So that seems to suggest that actually nature kind of has like a nature sort of has. So not only does nature have a speed limit, but nature also has like a one way sign. Yeah. You, know, you can't you can't go back no matter how much you might want to. That being said, though, there are special cases where entropy, the law of entropy that kind of, you know, that reversible, irreversible system thing and the speed of light aren't messed with too much. They're not they're not broken. Mm. And so in theory, they kind of maybe suggest we could go back in time. Aww. So, all right. The first one is what's known as time dilation. What do you know about time dilation, Marie? I know nothing about time dilation. I know nothing about time. I, I have I, I have I've contributed all I've got with uh, Maxwell Steeman. OK, I'm stealing something from another author. That's really as good as I'm going to get. No, I'm joking. I don't know. Go ahead. All right. So time dilation. OK, so what time dilation basically means is, OK, if you remember from last time we uh -huh. had the case where. OK, imagine you have two twins, you have two twins. Okay. One of them mm -hmm. is going off into space and the other is going to stay on Earth. Mm -hmm. The one that goes off into space accelerates through space at a really, really fast speed, approaching the speed of light. Yes. The other person on Earth stays basically still, right? They're just on the Earth. Right. So we're moving, but we're not moving like super fast. Right. When the f the twin that was in the rocket ship, when they returned to the Earth, they are younger than the twin that stayed on the Earth. Yes. OK. Mm -hmm. The I'm reason tracking. the reason for that. So this is called the twin paradox. Mm -hmm. The reason for that paradox, the reason that time operates in that weird way is that, again, a, a simple way of thinking about it is the speed of light has to remain constant. So for the person the twin on the ship moving at or near the speed of light there's right? less time passes. exactly as as they so approach the speed weird. of light the speed of light That's has to so stay weird. constant for them 
that's just weird, isn't it? I mean, that's just weird. It's very that th- strange. That's like that that would affect the aging. But only it's only relative, though, right? I mean, it doesn't affect them there. It only affects them in comparison to us being still here on Earth. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if we all accelerated together, it wouldn't right. look like time was changing at all. No, because we're all going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. This and what's interesting about this, this scene, this sounds crazy. It sounds like there's no way this is true. This is proven every single day of our lives. You have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. The cell phone gets data from a satellite up in the sky. Mm-hmm. The satellite feels relativistic effects due to its speed and also due to gravity. And we're going to get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. The GPS signal or communication via satellite for those to sync up with time, a correction factor has to be applied to make up for the difference in observed time. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. It comes back faster or comes back slower? The time on the satellite would come back. Slower, faster, slower, slower than the time on Earth. I OK, dig it, dig it. OK, so so in other words, so in other words, we are going through time faster than the satellite is. Yes. Crazy. It's crazy to think That's about nuts. that. The, so another in a similar effect happens due to the effect of gravity. So, again, Einstein showed that gravity was really just kind of like a dent in space time. Right. So the. What we observe as gravitational wells are really just massive objects bending space time around them. Mm-hmm. And so what Einstein so found basically or, or proposed was that objects in a higher gravity potential field. So in other words, objects that are feeling more of a gravitational pull will see time differently than those outside of a gravity field. A way of thinking about this is Gravity is just another like if we remember way, way, way back in the first episode, gravity is just another for it's just another acceleration applied to us. Yes. And since time changes with acceleration, if you have more gravity, you have more of a force of acceleration applied to you. You will uh, you will see or feel a slower time than someone who's not in that force field. That is so crazy. What's interestingly, what's interesting about this is the amount of time dilation you would experience in a gravity well is actually equal to the time dilation you would caused by traveling at the acceleration needed to escape the gravity well. So, so again, you're never going to break even. Well, yeah. So, you, so you couldn't. So, like, so, you never could get out. So, basically, if you were traveling, I guess, right. it's kind of interesting. I guess if you were traveling. At the exact speed you needed to to escape the gravity well. But then also had the gravity well still affect you. You could, in theory, hit like a neutral time. Where there's really time doesn't really matter. Nothing is passing. No, so no, not that no time was passing, but like, could you hit? Could you hit the even it out? Could you hit the smallest amount of time you could ever feel? That's so insane. First of all, where's a gravity well? Like what where like, like what is what is that? Like what the earth like? the earth is a gravity well. Gravity well cuz it uh, is affected cuz okay. it's massive. So it's massive. so like we okay, so the so the earth like the gravity it's like the center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Because gravity technically like 
the earth is feeling gravity from like we're feeling gravity from the earth, but the earth is also feeling gravity from us. It's a much smaller amount, but it's that's it's true. It is feeling it. Hmm. So, dude, this is this is just going to trip me out. This entire very, episode, this entire weird, series. Right? All right. So, okay. okay. Yes. So here's the problem, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only way then that you could go backwards in time. Mm-hmm. In this mm-hmm. case would be one to go faster than the speed of light. Right. Which you can't, which do. we know we can't do. You can't do that. Or yeah. to find some kind of anti or negative gravity or mass like black hole mass. Like a black, like a black hole. hole, maybe. So the, what that. I mean by anti-gravity or anti-mass mm-hmm. is so like anti-matter really more than anti-mass. But so, for example, matter is like mass comes from matter, right? Mass is a mm-hmm. um, it's made up of matter. Yeah, like mass is a function mm-hmm. of matter, like matter mm-hmm. or is a property of matter. Mass is a property of matter. And so gravity is directly related to the amount of mass you have in an area. So the more massive something is, the more gravity field it, it causes on other things. Yes. So in theory, then, if you had the, the opposite of mass or a, an oppositely charged mass, let's say, you maybe wouldn't pull things towards you, but repel them. So weird. Right. So it's like it's like with charges. If we think analogously to mm-hmm. charges mm-hmm. right again, mm-hmm. um, you can have a positive or negative charge. Yeah. And the two together cause them, you know, it causes things to come together. Right. A negative charge and a positive charge will attract. But if they're the same charge, they'll actually repel. So the argument would go, what if there is an equivalent to that for mass? So you have a positive kind of mass field uh, indicator mm-hmm. and positive mass charge and a negative mass charge. And the negative mass charge is what would repel. Exactly. And so if you had if you had two negative mass charges or a mass charge and a positive charge, a negative and a positive mass charge coming together, what would happen? You know, that's where you get things like, you know, matter, antimatter explosions or those other kinds of you know thought experiments or theories or whatever. There's no there's no um, there's no real hard and fast rule on that one yet. Yeah. And there's no like there's no really. um, What's the word? There's not really like a lot of science backing it up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like it's one of those things that's like, okay, like, sure, we, you know. It's like theorized and again, we don't really know what's at the center of black holes. And so there's stuff like that. But ultimately, Time dilation can only, we think, get time, you know, make time slow down. But it can't actually, you can't, you can't go to the past with it. So in theory, you could go to the future with time dilation. But you could just never come back. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, that pretty much solves that paradox, though. Right. I mean, you don't get to come back. Yeah, you don't get to come back. So. Is is time travel? I mean, I guess time travel is if you could go back and stay there. I mean, I've personally, I've always kind of equated it to like you go and you come back. It's a round trip. You have to come back. Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. Like anyone, you know, would we consider it man conquering the moon if we just shot people up there strapped to a rocket? You know, like, no, you got to come back. You have to be able to come back. It's not it doesn't count. I mean, I guess it counts. I mean, that's a very interesting argument. 
in some really kind of sophomoric dumb way, right? Well, <laughs> okay. It kind of is. It's like, well, I mean, if you shot, basically you send them to the moon. I mean, but is the is the goal to just do that or is it to come back or and have like whatever the experience is, right? Well, the, the data or like the proof or whatever. Anyway, sorry, go the, ahead. No, the, pro- the problem too is that at least Shooting if you're traveling, if you're so. traveling to the moon, you can still communicate back and forth, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you're traveling to, if you're traveling in time, you know, there's no way to communicate back and forth. That is true, and really, you know, just shooting people to the moon. I think that's going to be Elon Musk's new thing. That is literally right? his new thing. It's. Oh, my God. Not so much the getting people back. He's just going to like maybe just slingshot, giant slingshot it, people. OK, there. this is this is for another episode in, in hamster balls. This is for Sorry. another episode. It makes me so mad that somebody can be so rich that every stupid thing they say is taken as the most ingenious thing in the universe. I think he's just an ass. Like, I think, sure, he's he seems really smart. He's probably surrounded himself with really smart people. That doesn't change the fact that I don't think he's that interesting. And he's just sort of an ass. Just, and he should not be haunt, He should not be hosting SNL either. Sorry. Should not be hosting oh, SNL. Just doesn't shouldn't make- be shouldn't be sending junk up into space to have it orbit the moon because he's cool. And I don't even like Tesla's cars. I don't like the Tesla. Well, there we go. That? Well, Elon but, um, Musk slam. And I'm sick and tired of having Twitter push his tweets at me. Oh, I have my said God. A number of times, Jack Dempsey, Dorsey, whoever, at Jack, I don't want to hear from Elon Musk. Thank you. I said it like I'm billing, like I'm banned him, or, you know, blocked him. And I'm like, I'm still getting shit from Elon Musk. Yeah, I'm. Um, Sorry. It's, no, no, it's it's absolutely true. It's. um. <laughs> No, it's like it's like when it's like when you're a teenager and the guy Mm -hmm. whose dad like owns a liquor store. And so you can get like beer from him. Like you Mm -hmm. have to you have to include Mm -hmm. him and at least Mm -hmm. like humor the things he says just because he's your Mm -hmm. source of booze. But you you Mm -hmm. you don't want to hear. But yeah, so you're just like, God, you know, I'm I might just have to give up drinking because this guy is such an ass. Good God. (laughs) All right. I know. Jake, we're, we're taking a break. We're taking a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. The, an, okay. Another thing that uh, this actually doesn't come from special relativity. This really comes from general relativity, although. Well, no, I guess it kind of comes from special relativity, too, is the idea of a wormhole or another other mm-hmm. weird space time geometries. Mm-hmm. So. We we like generally all have a kind of idea, I think, of like what a wormhole means. Right. It's this. Yeah, yeah. It's like a you know you walk through the thing. Um, yeah. Or you yeah, get shot yeah. through the thing, and then you get back in time, or forward mm-hmm. in time, and then you can go through the same kind of rip in space time and come back on the other side. Yes. All right. It's your little conduit. It's like broadband. Yes. The the problem, or not really the problem. 
But the way why does this work? The basic idea is so again, we talked about how initially you had like a Galilean view of geometry in mm -hmm. space where you could describe where things were and when things were kind of as separate concepts. So on the axis, right? Yeah, on the axes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you talk, you'd say like, I'm at, you know, I'm at, I'm at X, Y, and Z at time, you know, whatever, 1540 or whatever the heck, right? Mm -hmm. The, what, what basically Einstein's relativity said was space and time are actually one, it's one tapestry. It's one thing. So you can't really have, so basically, as as the ripples of space time are changing, so as you go into and out of gravity wells and as space time kind of gets stretched, the the denser an object is and whatever, the mm -hmm. flow of time changes because that's also being stretched and rippled and, and kind of messed with. Yes. So. One idea was, well, OK, what if there was an area of warped space time? Where. That had gone through this effect. That, yeah, that essentially is like mm -hmm. two points of space time touch. But they but they don't touch in our normal. World of vision or of, of geometry. Mm -hmm. So what it means essentially is like on either side of the wormhole. Time would would be the same. So you'd have two regions of space that kind of touched at an area of common position and common mm -hmm. time. But all around those two points, you'd have other space where time would change and vary and there might be a longer distance and everything else. OK, a common way of thinking about that is imagine you have a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And so you could draw a line between one end of the paper and the other end and measure how long the paper was. Right, it's 11 inches, let's say, mm -hmm. it's eight and a half by 11, so it's 11 inches. But if you folded the paper and put the two points together, that line you took would still be eight, would still be 11 inches. But mm -hmm. another path folded. would be to break through the paper and get to the other side in a much, much smaller distance, millimeters of distance. Yes. Ergo wormhole. Right. And so that's really what. A wormhole is it's an area of space where you are able to kind of punch through or travel through space in a way that you wouldn't normally be able to. Because it's been warped. Yes. I'm not getting it. Yes, but I get I get it. But it's still like I, I just is there any proof that these things exist? Not. No. <laughs> um, the, so. The problem is the problem with it is. So there's a couple problems again to. Isn't this what happened to that Malaysian airline? No, I'm just joking. It's 100% what happened. Um, sorry. The problem. OK, so first off, even regardless of like whether it's possible or not, mm -hmm. this still doesn't fix the, the this still doesn't fix for us the ability really to go back in time. Yes, yeah, just sort of a random it's just sort of a random vacuum effect that you get sucked into some other some other space, you know? Yeah, some other yeah. space. One way around this problem, at least some people proposed, 
was Mm -hmm. you could have what's called a Roman ring named after Tom Roman, uh, a physicist. And uh, this was originally hypothesized by um, Matt Visser in um, 1997 in a paper that he wrote. He basically said if you had a number of wormholes configured in a certain kind of arrangements, you could Mm -hmm. have potentially a time machine that could get you back in time. But again, it's more it's more like a Scooby Doo. It's more like a Scooby Doo hallway. (laughs) It's a Scooby Doo hallway. Is that what you just? Yes. Is that the analogy that you're going with? Is the Scooby Doo hallway? That is. That's actually really good. Yeah. I don't think we've ever used that before either. That's good. No, it's super good. That's super good. It's running in and out of each doors. Well, but isn't it also just sort of lazy? Like I don't know. Like wormhole is like a trope. It's just sort of lazy. It's like it takes care of whatever you needed to take care of, but well, it doesn't so, really have any, it, you know, like there's no validity to it besides lazy writing. Although Scooby-Doo, yeah. don't get me wrong, Scooby-Doo's awesome. I do. I mean, the well, so the thing is that they're like, the this is all very, it's again, it's super theoretical because it's like, mm-hmm. like another, another approach that's kind of like this is what's called a, a Tipler cylinder. So basically what this is, is it's like it's you ever see that Tim and Eric sketch where he's like the universe is like a giant tube, but an infinitely long tube. But you, the thing the thing is, you wouldn't want to put the universe in a tube. You don't want to put the universe in a tube. Um, the, so one of the ideas of one of the ideas of this would be basically like you'd have a super duper. You'd have an infinitely long cylinder. Uh huh. The. The cylinder is spinning very, very quickly. Okay. And so the yeah. cylinder is spinning along. It's infinitely it's, long and it's spinning. Okay. I'm it's you. spinning okay. along its longitude. Okay. All right. Yes. So as it's spinning, it creates uh, small perturbations in space time where. Again, just lazy writing. Like, what? Like. Okay. Like, no, so this was this was proven mathematically. Okay. Uh, okay. That it it's spinning in such a way that there are little areas of space time in there where time goes backwards. Okay. And so you'd have to scoop all of those up. And so basically, if you were in a spaceship that was going quickly enough, you could like hit all of yeah. You could like it's like a Sonic game. You could hit all the you golden would. You'd rings. You'd have to like exactly. Yeah. And you'd accelerate just a little bit after each one, right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a really it's like kind of a crazy thing. And the thing is that, too, like people have come out and said. You know. Like, like it doesn't make sense. Um, it just does. Yeah, like Stephen Hawking was like really one of his like big contributions to like physics, I guess, in some ways was tearing down a lot of these time travel theories and being like, that's like silly, like there's no way. And so basically he came out and basically said again, like he said that there is this is w- part of the paper he wrote about chronology protection. Right. So that's what he called. It's a oh. causal violation. So like um, I uh, he wrote basically saying when Einstein came up with this, he had, you know, he wrote all this kind of content here and had this great theory and everything else. But one thing he missed was that there must be something that um, there must be something that keeps time going forward. 
Mm-hmm. Because you can't have. Basically, he said in all the cases where people have come up with these sort of like time loops, right? It's like a wormhole mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. uh, times where, you know, the, the the spinning cylinder thing where people could essentially like trick the universe into going backwards. He basically said in all of those, they fail ultimately because they don't take into account um, like energy requirements. Right. So, again, basically yeah. coming down to entropy. there's entropy. So you're mm-hmm. just you're just breaking entropy every time. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. It's kind of an interesting thing. And it's it's more complicated than just entropy, too. It's more than that. It's much more than that. Much more than even yeah. I could ever hope to understand in a lifetime. And let, so. let alone Hawkins, explain yeah. in a podcast. <laughs> let alone explain to me in a podcast either. So there's that. So, so I'd be like, I got the Scooby Doo thing like that. So the yeah, so the the idea, but ultimately the ideas here are like another one that does the same kind of thing as like a, a cosmic string, right? Which again, it's like a a cosmic string is this like it's a one dimensional like it's a one dimensional like error in space time basically, um, that like lets it has like negative mass and like all this. So it's again, it's just like all of these cases right. are like, well, what if we had this thing and it's like, okay, but we don't, we have no evidence have for any thing. of this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I, you know, that's what I don't get about yeah. it. It's like, you don't, if you don't have that, if it hasn't been noted or in any kind of occurrence or there's zero data on it of it actually occurring, then how is that even, I guess it's possible. It's just not plausible. Right. I mean, it's just, I'm not holding my breath for it. The thing, well, one interesting thing here is that, like, so modern physics has kind of hit, like, modern physics has sort of hit a point where you're able to do a lot of experiments, right? A lot of experimentation is possible. Mm-hmm. But a, still, a huge amount of physics is theoretical. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of this is. I don't know. It's an interesting it's an interesting case. I really don't even know what to how to kind of describe this situation that physics like finds itself in kind of because you know how Keanu Reeves would describe it. Whoa, whoa, dude. Well, so I guess from the outside looking into (laughs) physics, Mm -hmm. even as like an interested layman, it looks like physics has kind of hit like a standstill. But that's not true. You know, just because a science hasn't had like a huge explosion of new study or theory or whatever doesn't mean that it's at a standstill. Um, but there, there are like, you know, like string theory didn't really pan out that much. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not even really going to get into it. Cause it's just like, it, again, it's all of, it's just very, very, it almost feels like when the ancient Greeks were writing about, you know, atoms, Right. Like they were just yeah. proposing things, but yeah. nothing in their science of the time suggested that it was true. Could substantiate it. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. kind of feels like that in some cases, like we're making we know that like there must be stuff, you know, our quantum particles like break up into other quantum particles and yada, yada, yada and everything else. But like it kind of feels like, again, we've we've sort of hit a point now where we're like we're putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Well, we're coming up with our own version of ether. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, we are. It's it. That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. A little bit. I mean, but like I'm sure that, like you said, it. There's a solution to it. It's just we don't have the, the we don't have the 
we can't get to it. Not yet, but but yeah. who knows? We, we you know we might put this episode out, and in a week, someone else has a miraculous year. You never know. And we're gonna you look really know. dumb. I don't think it'll be me, but that's cool. That's all it cool too. Cool. It's super cool. <laughs> all right, the last area for time mm-hmm. travel to sit is in quantum mechanics. Okay. Now. Dude, right. What are you giggling about? I'm waiting. I'm ready for it. Okay. Quantum mechanics. We, uh, again, we could do another 18 episodes on quantum mechanics. Oh, man. And we will at some point, but not today. Today is not that day, dear reader. Today is not that day, or it could be that day. It could be. It's not that day. So, okay. <laughs> Einstein found that if you shone light, or he shined a light, I should say, Mm-hmm. At a surface of metal. Sometimes the metal would release a photon. And other energy out. And if you shocked it with electricity, the same thing kind of. So you shot a light at a surface and some kind of electrical signal would come. And if you shot electricity through a metal, sometimes a photon would be released. Hmm. So it's known as the photoelectric effect. Okay. Basically, what this says is uh, what it what it suggested was that energy was quantized into small packets. So, in other words, light wasn't actually a wave as we thought it was. Packet. Light must be a packet of energy. But that packet of energy, but the particle of the light also Uh seemed to behave like a wave sometimes. And we found out the same thing about electrons. Or the the packet of energy for electricity and a bunch of other things. So suddenly these objects that we thought are not really objects, energy, which we thought before was just waves, Mm -hmm. um, weren't waves. They were like a wave particle duality. They were like kind of two things at once. Mm -hmm. And one weird thing they found was that if you tried to tell or or measure if it was a wave or a particle, it would be whatever your experiment needed it to be. So if you were measuring it like a particle, you'd get a particle. If you were measuring it like a wave, you'd get a wave. That's weird. And so some scientists came along, very, very smart physicists, came along and figured out, well, what if we let it decide? Oh, man. So what, what if we have a situation where... It can be the either of every horror movie ever. Well, so, you, well, but yeah, but, you know, what if we had situations where basically or, or what if nature really worked in this way where it's both until it has to be measured? Mm-hmm. If you never measure it, is it either? And that's where you get things like Schrodinger's cat, right? These other kinds of quantum mechanical paradoxes, right? If you don't measure a system, how can you ever know what it's like, especially if there's kind of a, a duality there? Yeah. Yeah. So Schrodinger's cat, the way that that kind of analogy works here is you have a cat in a box and you have a poison. It's our favorite. Yes. You have a poison that will be released at random, completely at random. There's it's real randomness. Mm -hmm. And so it's a 50 percent chance the cat will live and a 50 percent chance the cat will die. If you close the box, is the cat alive or dead? You don't know. It's kind it's of unobservable an, until you until yeah. you observe it, and then it 
And then that influences the outcome. Exactly. And so what quantum mechanics said basically was if you open up the box, you've you've basically set the probability of it being one of the two to 100 percent motion. Yes, it will be one or the other. But if you don't open it, it couldn't be either. Right. Right. So what is it? Oh, sorry. I just knocked something. Oh, my God. I'm destroying the place. Sorry. Oh my. <laughs> I just gesticulated with my hand and just knocked something straight over. So there's your cause and effect. I'm not moving anymore. Doing great. So the pro. OK, now it wasn't just. It wasn't just like, you know, the, the famous case of this or the famous mm-hmm. one that everyone's heard of from this besides Schrodinger's cat is the uncertainty principle. Right. Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. And that basically found that because particles like electrons or photons behave like a wave and a particle simultaneously, you can't know at any given time their position and their momentum. And momentum is basically like a fancy way of saying speed. So you can't know how fast they're going and where they are in time and space at any given time simultaneously. Right, because if you measure them, you're predetermining what their outcome would be. Because if it's a wave, then it exists in like a probabilistic area. Ah, okay. Right? So if you you measure where it is, you've set it to be a particle. Mm -hmm. But so you've also set, and that also also necessarily means you've set the speed of it to zero because it's sitting still in a position. It's really weird. Stuff is kind of trippy. It's extremely strange. It's a little trippy. And it's, it's again, it's, it's more nuanced than that, but that's kind of the general way of thinking about it. It is a little bit more nuanced than the dead cat in the box, which is yes, still my favorite. It's much more scientific. nuanced. It's, it's weird how nuanced things are compared to dead cats in boxes. The dead cat in the fox is just morbid. All right. It's just morbid on top of everything else. The, the problem, right? Not really a problem. Another thing that they found, physicists found was it's not just position and momentum of energy of Another thing physicists found was that it's not just position and momentum of an individual particle that's kind of linked in that way. It's other things, too. So one of them is what's known as spin. So we think about like like electrons exist in what's called spin pairs. So you have an up electron and a down electron yeah. in, in, an, in, a, in an atom. And if you measure one of them as being up, by definition, the other one has to be down. Yeah. So this led to a lot of thought experiments. Like, for example, if you shot an electron from a material, or so you have an atom in a vacuum in a really, really large room. And so you shoot one of those electrons off into the distance of the room. Mm-hmm. And at the very, very far other end of the room, you measure whether or not it's up or down spin. The minute you measure if it's up or down spin, the other particle, in theory, should couple to it and go the opposite direction. With the opposite spin, with the opposite spin. But problem with that is, well, what if the distance between the two things was like a light? year? How would it know how to spin? Exactly, because information in theory should not be able to travel faster than the speed of light. 
That's right. And so what? Oh, I mean, what solved that? Yeah, it's bad. It's a, it's a conundrum. We're in a paradox here. Well, yeah. So what, what, there is no solution to it. Is that what you're telling me? Not really. Oops, come on. There's no man. solution to it. So what this has led, though, to ideas like, well, if the one can know the spin of the other or if there's ways to create mm-hmm. coupled situations like this. Mm-hmm. Then, then maybe we time travel. Maybe we can do time travel by Bring having like back. by having situations where essentially information travels faster than the speed of light. It's tethered. Right. It's a kind tethered of, yeah. state of, of nature. Okay. I'm still not buying that one. No, it's really so- weird. It's very strange. This also actually leads to the multiple worlds hypothesis or many worlds interpretation. Love those. Yeah. We're like, right. That's a sweet spot. I love that stuff. In the many worlds interpretation, it would basically say like, well, no matter both, all states of the objects are true at any given time. Mm -hmm. We're just picking which state of, of the universe we go into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very trippy. Mm -hmm. So again, but again, though, like, so, so far of the kind of three, like, again, very complicated kind of physicy, mathy, sciencey ways of traveling back in time. Only one of them has proposed any kind of way that we can actually go backwards. Mm-hmm. Most of them are for going forwards in time. Right. And the ones that talk about, well, maybe we could go back in time are either super, super small. They're like quantum mechanical scale. Right. And we're trapped. We're, we're sending information that like, again, you know, the spin of an electron, like in theory, I guess you could build like a computer based off those spins. That's what quantum computing is kind of in some ways, you know, so like you could, you can in theory build a communication, I guess, between there. But again, Mm -hmm. it would, again, there's that causal problem. This is what Tony Stark solved in Endgame. (laughs) (laughs) And he did it in less than two hours. Tony Stark did this in a cave with scraps. Seriously, this is the exact same thing that this is. I just watched it, so it's top of mind. Anyways, yes, but I understand that that is fictional. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, so listeners. I'm doing excellent with this. (laughs) Listeners, is time travel possible? No. Maybe? No, no. <laughs> no. no. I'm sorry. It's not possible. It's been five, five episodes. episodes. And you're all like, wah, wah. well, so, okay. There are like, there are interesting possible. cases here too of like, mm-hmm. you know, there are things like time paradoxes and other kinds of reasons to maybe think that like travel back is impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it's, en- you know, entropy really is kind of the, the, the crux of all of this mm-hmm. because it, you know, again, you can't get energy from nothing. And it's something that a lot of science, you know, physics, pseudo physics theories get wrong. You know, this is the problem with like vacuum zero point energy stuff. It's the problem with time travel. It's the problem with, um, you know, like just a whole bunch of things like this where, People don't account for their it basically comes down to like a problem of accounting for your system correctly. 
You know, right. if, the, if your system is the whole universe, you can't get energy from outside the universe. And so that energy will mix. The energy will mix. Okay, so quick question. What's your favorite time travel movie? Oh, man. I think my, my favorite time travel movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a really good question. You're right. I, I really like, actually, there's a book. So my favorite time travel book. So hold on. I didn't say book. Oh. Okay, fine. My favorite time travel oh. movie, I think, is probably... It's probably... I think Interstellar is like the closest to reality. Interstellar? I don't think it's my favorite one, but it's is the closest. Interstellar the one with Jodie Foster? Is it? No, Jodie Foster's not an Interstellar. Who's an interstellar? Is that? It's like, uh, what's his face? It's uh, McConaughey. McConaughey. McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, okay. Jessica Chastain, Michael Caine. Okay. Okay. I have, I'll be honest in saying I don't think I've seen that one yet. It's a good one, Mine's Marie. Loop, mine, mine is Looper. I think Looper is Looper? absolutely my favorite. Looper is my favorite. Because Looper also doesn't try to explain the paradoxes they just basically say at one point like we're not even going to address it because it's just going to mess up your head yeah and it's like that was pretty nimbly taken care of actually nice yeah i'm trying i'm actually thinking i think i really liked hot tub time machine hot tub time machine was genius also pretty good hot tub time machine is is excellent like you can't you really you know i i am a fan of the time time travel genre it's pretty good it's pretty good but Looper, if you haven't seen it, excellent. Check out Looper. Let's check would. it out, listeners. I'll watch Interspace. It's not as long as it's not the one with Jodie Foster and then she and her alien is the father. You know, do you remember that? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back in time. Let's go back in time and Jake can edit that out. Solid. All right, dear listeners. We hope you've had fun with this series as much as we have. Yeah, this it, has been one of my favorites, actually. It, it let us cover a tremendous amount of physics that I don't think we would have been able to otherwise. No, and then we sucker punch you with it. Doesn't exist. Ha-ha! It's not Sorry. real. Sorry, suckers. But no, it was a tremendous amount of fun. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Take care. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. 
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 